This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. All right. So this has taken us a long time to get this episode recorded. This episode is about Trevor Noah's book, which is called Born a Crime. Um, it's basically the story of his life growing up in South Africa during apartheid. Um, I was super interested to read this book because my husband is from South Africa. And so his parents and him, like they kind of lived through similar things that Noah talks about. Um, So it was interesting to read. And the thing that I kept thinking was there's been lots of talk about racism, obviously in the, in 2020 and it's, it was crazy to read about it, but in the sense that like, it's the law. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember my husband's mom was telling me about a time where she used to work at um, like a healthcare building or it was a hospital. And next to the hospital, there was a public pool. And often Pre would be with her at work or like after work and he would want to go in the pool and he wasn't allowed. Like it, and it broke her heart because how do you explain that to a child that just sees all these kids having fun in the pool and he can't go in because he has dark skin? Yeah. Is this like, is that, did she write about this on your blog? Uh, I don't know. I think I have talked about it before, but she may have uh, written about it as well. Yeah, no, it's really, <clears throat> I mean, and we feel like maybe this is um, for an older generation or this happened a long time ago, but no, we, we're talking about not so long ago. We're talking about the eighties and the nineties and then all of the effects of like post-apartheid South Africa. Like this is our generation, right? This is like yeah. even Trevor Noah is one year older than I am. And so yeah. I feel like when I was reading the book or listening to the audio version, I kept thinking about that like this is not you know in the in the far past no literally our generation that lived through this and continues to live through this yeah that was going to be my question for you I, I wasn't sure how old he was but that makes sense and a lot of people like someone wrote on the Facebook group um how she watches him all the time on the daily show and she would have never thought that that was his life growing up which is very you know when you look at him and you hear his comedy like you don't you don't think that and so Mm -hmm. I was I was really surprised to read about his basically his whole life um oh yeah what uh there were some really funny parts in the book like hilarious oh and we should say A lot of people, when I chose this book for the book club, a lot of people told me, make sure you listen to the audio version and instead of just reading a physical book. And so we both did that because it's Trevor himself who narrates the book and which makes it 
even funnier. He does all his family members' accents and just the way he delivers things, being a comedian, uh, made it super entertaining. Um, but yeah, some maybe we could talk about some funny parts first. <laughs> and I know that... <laughs> There's so many. It's so hard. Like you were saying, like, I... I, I actually have the physical copy sitting in front of me because I had ordered the physical copy. I have listened to very few audio books. I mean, I do, I do like audio. I think that there's a, a place for it. And I think a lot of people, it's just easier to consume content. So I think that's great, but it's not my, my go-to by any means. But like you said, so many people are saying you have to do the audio. You have to do the audio. And even for me, like people are saying like, listen to the audio. So, so, so glad I did. And so it's a bit hard for me. Sometimes I think was it that funny because it was Trevor, Trevor narrating it himself. So he did the accents of his mom, of his grandmother, um, and the different characters in the book. Would it have delivered the same way just reading it? Not sure. But yeah. for as sensitive as some of the topics in this book were, it was so funny and so entertaining. I zipped through it. I couldn't like I literally couldn't stop listening. I would take a bath and just put this on or I'd go for a walk and put it on. It was so, so entertaining. So I highly recommend anybody to listen to the audio, even if you've read the book, to, to take the opportunity and listen to the audio. Um, my all-time favorite funniest part of the book is when he's pooping in the, <laughs> he's pooping in the kitchen on a piece of newspaper. <laughs> And who was it? His grandma that was in the room, but she's blind. Yeah, I think, I think it's his great grandmother lived in uh, at it because he's at his grandmother's house, and so it's his great grandmother, and she's like blind, but f like still has all of her her mental wits um, to her. So she's quite old in age, but and so she didn't know who was in the house with her. She actually thought she was home alone, and Trevor didn't want to go use the outhouse because they didn't have an indoor bathroom. And it was raining and everyone else was out for the day. And so he thought he could get away with taking a poop <laughs> on a, a piece of newspaper. <laughs> and then like disposing of it. And putting it in the garbage can. And then his, anyways, the whole scene, he just, he sets it up. He delivers it perfectly. Um, yeah. It, it just literally is like, for me, one of the, the funniest parts of the book and very lighthearted, right? Because a lot of the subject matter we, he does talk about like, racism and domestic abuse and mm. apartheid in South Africa. And so, you know, a lot of the content is heavy. I learned a ton through reading this book. And so this was just one of those parts of the book, which was like more lighthearted, funny. Uh, and I just like literally laughed my way through this whole, this whole little, I don't know if it's a whole, probably not a whole chapter, but this whole section, I, I just was really. Yeah. So my, the funniest part for me was when him and his friends had that little kind of hip hop dance mm -hmm. group and right. they got asked, like they used to go do little performances at, you know, like parties or schools or events. And so they got invited to do a performance at a school, but they didn't know that it was a Jewish school, yep. I think yep. is what it was. Yeah. And he, he, he sets it up really well and he explains how people in South Africa are named after different like high power people like they have their African name and then they have their European name which is usually named after someone who had a lot of power or something do you or remember influence, him or influence or a biblical name 
Okay. That's what it was. And so his, one of his friends was his European name was Hitler. And at first you're like, why? Like that is wild. And so you hear about him like throughout the book on and off. And then they end up going to do Hitler was like the dancer in the group. Like he was the man to dance. And so they go and do this performance at a school and they had no idea. Like they didn't know what the name Hitler even meant. Right. That was the whole thing. Like they had no idea. So when they're yeah, because like to, to take a step back, they, the history that they're taught in school is a different history that what we might learn in North America, like Canadian history, American history, European history, we actually like, it makes you realize that depending on where you grow up, you're told a different reality or a different part of history, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily that you're, what you learn isn't true. It's just, it's, it has a different focus or a different, different emphasis. Yeah. A hundred percent. So they couldn't figure out when it got to like the dance portion of the performance and the rest of the group was yelling, go Hitler, go Hitler for him to dance. And Trevor was, he made it so funny because he was screaming that like in the microphone as like the DJ guy. And then obviously everyone was just like staring at them dead silent and teachers started to get upset and they had no idea what was wrong. And the way he, like, imagine listening to him doing stand-up comedy. Like, that is what it was. And I was, like, peeing my pants. It yeah. was such a good, like, yeah. it was so funny. I agree. Like, he delivers it with this really, so it's really funny how he delivers it. But at the same time, it's this powerful message of, like, how yeah they didn't grow up learning the same with the same emphasis that we would have within the U.S. or Canada or within Europe. Yeah. In South Africa, they learned a different part of history and wasn't as focused on the the Holocaust and the devastation that was. Mm-hmm. He's also making the point where, like, he as um he thought that the girl at the school, like whoever was running the lady who was running that program, he thought that she was she being was being racist to them. Yeah, so it was like a complete misunderstanding of not understanding people's backgrounds. Right. Yep. And what people learn in school and just kind of having that, you know, like they were black, the kid, the school was white. And so they automatically assumed that they were being racist to them. But meanwhile, they were like, what are these kids doing yelling Hitler? (laughs) So like complete, yeah, misunderstanding. And I don't even remember the point of the book where like, I don't remember them like realizing what why they were mad I don't remember like that part of it or if they ever did they ever did because they left they ran away and I think didn't they even run away like swearing at her or something yeah thinking like she was totally in the wrong I don't think it was like really till like probably later in life where Trevor was like well remember that whole like yeah 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 it's interesting the whole the part about naming I did actually find interesting because like even Trevor's mom purposely named him Trevor so that it would mean, oh yeah. Cause they had, I think people had three names. So they have their traditional like African name. Then they would have like their white name, which is often like named after like either biblical person or someone who was famous or had like a lot of power, mm-hmm. um, which is why some people were named Hitler. Um, and then you had your name that was based on 
your trait, remember, like, or your characteristics or, um, and his mom didn't want him to have a name that he then had to like live up to. So she just named him Trevor, which doesn't have like a biblical meaning or doesn't Um, have like, it doesn't, you know, like some, like what, wasn't it like, I can't think of any of the characters in the book off the top of my head, but they, they had names that meant like, like Like, Abel was named Abel, which is a biblical name. Yeah. 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 So anyways, I thought that was, I'm not doing a good job of explaining it, but I thought it was interesting, like how he explained Mm -hmm. kind of, of their names. Yeah. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. And then, so another part of the book that was pretty funny was when they stole the chocolates. It was like, what, the strip? It was like a strip mall or like a mall? Yeah. Yeah. So this is probably my favorite chapter of the book for a few reasons what is it called it is called colorblind yeah I loved it like it was entertaining again because the whole book is kind of is entertaining so this was where him and his really good friend 
would go to the mall, I think after school or whatever, and they would hang out and they discovered that um, the mall would be open, but the stores would close and they discovered that they could sneak their, their hand in behind the metal gate and they could steal chocolates and they would go for like the booze filled. Yes. So they did that a few times. And then one time they got caught by mall police. And so they got chased out of the mall and him and his buddy like took different um, directions and Trevor got away. His buddy gets caught. He doesn't. So the next day at school, Trevor gets called out of class to the principal's office. And I think the police were there and the principal and they, they start asking him if he was with his friend or if he knew who his friend was with because he got caught stealing. Um, this is your best friend. You know, are you sure you weren't with him? And Trevor was denying, denying, denying. And then they bust out a videotape and Trevor is thinking like, oh, okay, like now I'm done for. Like not only am I going to get caught for stealing, but also for lying because they've specifically asked me like, do you know what happened? Do you know who was with your friend? And he kept saying, no, no, no. And so they put on the videotape and they show him the footage of the two boys stealing the chocolate. And they say, do you know who is with your friend? And Trevor's like kind of stumped. <laughs> like, do I say, yeah, that's clearly <laughs> me. Or like, is this a trick question? You know, like, do I say no? And so it turns out that the video footage, it's black and white and it doesn't pick up the features of Trevor because he's mixed, right? Yeah. So it doesn't, the camera can't pick up his, his features properly. So the people who are questioning him, like, is this you on the video? Don't realize that it's actually him. Yeah. And I think part of it was because his friend was a lot darker than him. So in comparison to his friend, they thought it was a white kid. Yes. That was with him. Yeah. Yeah. That, I remember that. That was interesting. And I don't think they ever found out that it was him, right? No. Like, no. I mean, not that. I mean, obviously I mean now, now they know. <laughs> That's some, throughout the whole book, I kept thinking like, does he know he's like yeah, himself? Obviously these like things you do when you're a teenager, whatever. But um, yeah, so I thought it was super interesting. And the whole time I, I, I was reading it, it reminded me of, you know, what's going on right now. Um, when we're talking about facial recognition and, and everything that is wrong with the algorithms that we have right now and where people, um, most in particular, let's say black people are being um, wrongfully accused of crimes that they don't commit or, or the potential that they could be, could be accused because the systems that are set up for these facial recognitions are probably developed by white people. And there's a Mm. lot of, there's not a lot of, policies and regulations put in place on how we can you know what what regulations we're going to set in place before we start using some of this technology and it's out there um and a lot of governments haven't had the opportunity um, or maybe they had to have the opportunity but they haven't yet put in place the proper um, regulations on how we use this yeah and or whether we should even be using these technologies is, is yeah a question Seriously. The, okay. One thing I wanted to talk about that was super frustrating for me listening to it and probably for you as well was when his mom would call the police for like domestic Mm. abuse, domestic violence and how they, like the police came and treated the situation. That was enraging. 
And basically what it was, was they show up and just completely side with the man and make comments like, oh, like she's, she's bothering you again. Like, what did you, you know, what did you do? Basically that it's acceptable for marriage, like a husband to be abusive to his wife. And that was so frustrating because at the end of the book, you know, look what ended up happening. And you just think, like, it made me think about all the times that she had called the police because of violence. And every time it seemed to get like a little bit worse and they never did anything about it. And then he ended up shooting her, which was like that whole end of the book was so And I, to be honest, I wasn't expecting her to survive that situation. And it's unbelievable how she survived that and how, like, huge spoiler alert if you haven't read the book, but you're supposed to read the book. So, but yeah, that was like so wild to hear that story. Yeah. I, so I totally agree. Like where there's a lot of, um, cases. So, you know what, just to also to take it back a step. So one of the things that was interesting about this book, which we talked about when we were both listening to it and, and it's a little bit hard to wrap your head around at first. So maybe it's good if you haven't listened again, spoiler alert, cause we're talking all about it, but the book is not written in a chronological order. So Trevor mm. does jump back and forth a like throughout the book. So we, you hear of the, um, domestic abuse that his mom goes through throughout the entire book. Like, you know, literally from the get go, when he's talking about his mom, basically literally throws him out of a moving vehicle and he blames, um, the, the Volkswagen that they have for breaking down, which then that shitty Volkswagen also leads her into this relationship with Abel, who is the abusive husband. So you hear about it the whole way through the book. And it kind of goes in waves, I think, the abuse, right? Like some periods are really good and then it it, it gets worse and, and all of the different things that Trevor and his mom and his, his siblings go through. And like you were saying, so report it to the police and the police do not take it seriously. And they just kind of, you kind of get the sense of it's like, oh, just a nagging woman, like trying to get you in trouble again. But like, oh, we all know what that's like. Mm. Um, and so this is building, building, building until the end of the book where... Uh, Abel, so his stepfather literally is trying to kill his mom. And so, and it seems premeditative, right? Like it's very aggressive. Um, He shoots her multiple times and the gun misfires, like just all of the circumstances around it. Like she is literally incredibly lucky to be alive. The whole book, Trevor talks about how his mom is very religious and he's not. And so actually really funny the dialogue that they often have about religion where he she's uh, defending her religion and he's always questioning it and it's very comedic and Trevor though at the end of the book talks about like how he's he there's no other real explanation for how she's survived other than like it's a miracle basically right because yeah. she should be, he shot her point blank in the head uh and she survives and again I agree with you that this was just so hard to read that this was someone's life for years of battling this kind of abuse and needing to protect your children and how there was literally no help from this the system in keeping her and her family safe and because she had reported domestic abuse throughout the years but it was never he was never actually charged yeah he got a lesser sentence mm-hmm. for trying to kill her because he quote unquote, didn't have a criminal record. 
Yeah. So and frustrating. So- and I think he's out of jail now, eh? Yeah, yeah. He, I think he just lives like a few blocks over. I think they all still live in the same town. Like unbelievable. Uh, it was very, and you know, this is unfortunately not a one-off, right? Like, so Trevor gets to bring this to the spotlight because he is, he's famous and a lot of people can read this memoir if, if that's what you, you call this book. Um, but this is not a one-off. This is not unique, unfortunately, right? Like yeah. the violence against women is, I don't even know. I don't even have the words for prevalent. it. Um, prevalent. This is not unique. Um, and that's if, if women are even as strong as his mom for reporting it, right? Like the one, yeah. one scene, there's two scenes that were very impactful in the book. So the first, I think the first time it happened, like she literally took the boys and she walked to the police station, like yeah. barefoot, like in the middle of the night, nothing happened. And then there's the second scene where she's really standing up for herself. And Trevor's talking about in the background, he kept saying like, mom, shut up, mom, shut up. Like, stop talking, stop talking. Cause he knew what was going to keep happening. And she still keeps, that was so stressful. But yeah, it's a very, very visual scene. He's, there's no actual visual graphics, but the way he describes it, like you just feel like you're in that moment. Like I remember I was out for a walk on the path and I had stopped walking because I couldn't focus on walking and listening because it was so intense that I was Mm. like, he's just describing the situation. He's a young boy. And he, I think, I don't know if his, one of his brothers was there or both of his younger siblings were there, but it's just so, this whole scene is so traumatic. And again, keep thinking like, this is the reality for so many women. Yeah. And kids. And kids. And yeah, it's just brutal. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling 
wrangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolavie.com slash MOMROOM. And Lola V is L O L A V I E. So we highly recommend this book, highly recommend listening to the audio. Um, one part just quickly that made me think about growing up like we said he's only a year older than us was when he was talking when you remember when he got into like the burning cds and like yeah. making mixtape mix yeah. cds and stuff i was like oh my god this was my life <laughs> so yeah that i was so funny yeah so it's funny like you i think you alluded to it at the beginning where someone was saying like you you know Trevor Noah because he's famous and you see him on um, TV TV or social media um, and you forget or you don't realize how like he's lived ten lives mm-hmm. so he speaks multiple languages which has got him to where he is literally like saved his life on multiple occasions he's he was talking about so when he was in prison this big guy comes into the prison cell with them and he's intimidating at first, but Trevor speaks a few different languages and so happened to speak the language that this big tough guy spoke. And so they became friends and this big super, like he, he described him as a, a I think he described him as a black Hulk, <laughs> I believe. So like this big, big, like super intimidating guy and uh Trevor ends up just explaining that he's like you know a super nice guy he's like a teddy bear um and it's just been you know as soon as apartheid ended he was basically enforced in slavery during apartheid and so had some kind of a wage uh and then once apartheid ended then really was left to figure things out for himself so he's an unskilled like uneducated I shouldn't say unskilled but like didn't necessarily have job skills to get him a job and didn't have education skills. And so he's just like left to do whatever he can to get by for himself and to provide for his family. And so every few years he would kind of end up in jail and then he would be released because he would do whatever he could to be able to provide for his family. And so it's just eye-opening in the sense that it's like the struggles that a whole country of people go through and are continuing to go through and the rest of the world kind of turns an eye to Mm -hmm. it yeah you know and again there's not like you can't even do anything about it because at that time like it was the law how must that feel to know that even like the police the government the like nobody is going to help you because that is the law. Yeah. I can't imagine. And then that. once once it ended, there was not necessarily a support system put in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these things that we're talking about, like this is why my husband's family is in Canada now. His mom was really, she was like the top of her class for, um, she's like a radiation, radiation or yeah, radiation tech. And is that what it is? Radiation tech? Radiologist? Radius. Anyways, something in the healthcare system. And she was really good at her job, but she knew that she would never in South Africa move up in her position because of her skin color, which is wild to think. So, and we're talking what, late, late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. 
Yeah. So when, yeah, cause they moved here, I think my husband was six or eight years old. So yeah, he was born in 85. So that's why they, when she was offered the opportunity in Canada, she like took it right away. And within, you know, a couple of years, she was like the lead of the entire department in Canada, which right. is unbelievable. Yeah. Cause there she knew like, you know, base level entry is where I'm going to stay just because of my skin color. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Well, yeah. And see- the title, the title of this book is literally born a crime because yeah. Trevor Noah was, it was illegal when he was born to be born of, of a black mother and a white father mm-hmm. meant that his birth was literally illegal. And considering that that was not very long ago, 1984. Yeah. Like I think about like, I am white pre is not. So if we went there, like technically Milo is, you know, born a crime. If we're talking in that in, in that era, in that era. Yeah. yeah. In South yeah. Africa, yeah. it's the same thing. But then I often think like his family all still lives there. If we went and visited, do, like, does the society still have that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those thoughts, because yeah. I mean, even in Canada and in the U S and wherever you hear about issues that biracial couples have like we haven't experienced that much ourselves but you know it is something that you think about and so I often think about that like if we went and visited there like is it going to be obvious that people still hold these thoughts right yeah because that was part of their that was part of how they lived that was like the law which but I think it's also like, so yes, I think in South Africa and in, in, in regards to this book, like Trevor Noah talks a lot about how, so he's mixed and he never felt like he fit in, in terms like he would always, if he went to a new school or the time he was in prison, like he would have to make that choice. Like, do I hang out with the black kids who I more identify with, mm-hmm. or do I hang out with the white kids who I probably look more like? Um, and he, it was constantly this battle. And then he would also talk about how he would get different privileges because he was lighter skinned. And yeah. so his grandmother wouldn't beat him the same way that she would beat his cousins, let's say, because he was lighter skinned or um, his um, at funerals, even of people he didn't know, he would sometimes be invited into the family home to sit with yes, the family because that, he was yeah. considered a diff- like more privileged because he was mixed. Uh, so I think like that was interesting. Uh, that was so interesting. And it reminded me of the, when we read Ibram X. Kendi's book, when he talked about like the racism within, you know, the black community or within like right. how it's, it's not just like white and then black and black and white. It's like, there's racism within the black yeah. community as well. Yeah. Or in, in adoption processes, like Abraham yeah. X. Kennedy was talking about that, where it's like the darker you are, the less likely you are to be adopted or the darker you are, the more likely you're going to be imprisoned or like it is, you know, we have a ton of work to do as our society and for all of us. And that's why, like, you know, I think it's great that we get to have these, or we are having these conversations as two super privileged white 
females, right? We need to continue to have these conversations to continue to learn and to continue to push the boundaries. Because when you were saying like, you know, if you, if you went to South Africa today, would, would your family, um, experience some of these, some, some of what you were describing. And I think whether you go to South Africa or, or not, I think, unfortunately in the, no matter where you go, this is an issue. So we have, this is true within Canada. This is true within Europe. This is true with obviously within the United States. Um, I I think that basically everywhere you go, we all have a ton of work to do to become anti-racist and to continue to push the boundaries um, and to to talk about the to have these uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not I'm not one to I'm going to bring it. You can decide to keep this in or not, but I'm not one to necessarily follow the royal gossip, but last week or a week ago, um, yes, Meghan Markle was bringing up her experience within the, in the UK, within the Royal family, um, and the questions around the color of her, how dark her child or her art, her son, Archie's skin was going to be when he was born and questioning some of the protocols that were put in place that, um, might, have been there because she is black and yeah. you know so it's like this is 2021 and we are still having these conversations and there is still so much room like so so many areas where we need to improve on as a society um yeah every day every day I didn't see that interview with Oprah but I really want to see it but it's nice when these high profile people you know share their experience with things like this And it's interesting because everybody is shocked and it's like, we've been talking about, like, this has been a huge topic for like the last, you know, since last year, at least it has really been amplified and talked about. So why is everybody shocked? Or I think it's easy to be shocked. It's hard to do the work. And so we can continue to talk about it, but for organizations and institutions and countries to continue we need to do better at doing the work. So we keep having conversations, but then the action isn't necessarily there. So people continue to be shocked because we're not actually seeing the change. Mm -hmm. And so conversations are easily forgotten. So even last week, last year in June, when people put the, their black square on their social media accounts, where, what action has been done since since then. Right. And so that's where the real change will happen. And that's when we should be shocked by these things. Unfortunately, like sometimes I feel like I'm not shocked because we're not really making the progress that I think that we should be making. This should be super shocking and it should incite change. Um, And so I hope that again, the world was talking about that, that interview with Oprah for a week a week later, are we still talking about it? Mm-hmm. And what is the action that we're going to take from that? Yeah, I think part of me is like, people are shocked, but would they be shocked to know that this is probably going on in your workplace, like all the time? Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just because it's a high profile person and it's the royal family, it's, you know, 
the front page of every single newspaper. And it's like, no, this is probably happening all the time. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Organizations have a lot of uh, work to do in terms of making sure that they have the representation at their board tables, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we can talk forever, but I'm going to end the recording now. So bottom line is we highly recommend this book. And I will say, even though it's like mid-March now, <laughs> March's book is 13 Doors by Aaron Wright. It is so good. I'm like three quarters of the way done. I need to get through it. His podcast episode is actually coming out April 2nd. It was a really good conversation with him. Um, and then April's book is Love Sense by Dr. Sue Johnson. Johnson? Yeah. A I always, different Dr. Sue if you're I know. I always want to say Johansson. Like, <laughs> you know, a Scarlett Johansson. But no, Sue Johnson. Such a good book. If you're in a romantic relationship or you plan on ever being in one, highly recommend. Yeah, I'm excited. So we will end it there. Thanks, Jen. Anytime. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. <laughs> well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha <laughs> ha!